Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, um, guys, ladies, for the IF conference, you could sign up um, right after church at the Welcome Center. I want to encourage you to be involved with that. Men, come out next Saturday and join us for breakfast. And a word, uh, you know, we sometimes we had gotten away from the fellowship. We want to get back to some of that. Hey, I want to thank all of you guys that came out on Tuesday for our prayer up at Mount Soledad. We did a one-hour praying up on the mountain up there with a bunch of other leaders. I want to encourage you this week um, that you join me at 12 o'clock on Tuesday to walk our neighborhood to pray. So we're going to be doing that for I just want to encourage you to come and be a part of, uh, of that this Tuesday at 12 o'clock. We'll meet here and head out. Um, for an hour just to pray. And maybe God might just introduce some divine meetings to meet some people to share Jesus too. So we just want to be available for that. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of John. We started a sermon series through the Gospel of John. We're in John chapter 1 this morning. And we're going to be looking at verses 19 to 34 this morning. Last week we started a sermon series called Believe because that was really the purpose of the Apostle John in writing this Gospel was that people come to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I know this is Super Bowl Sunday, right? All right. And some of you are going to be watching the game today, right? The Bengals and the Rams playing. You're probably going to gather in your rooms, whether you're going to be gathering with friends or your own personal uh, house, handing out, right? And there's going to be, you're going to be joining millions who will be watching this game all around, right? They're going to be, they're going to be masked up, painted up, jerseys wearing, right? be throwing down those hot wings or whatever meal you want to be able to do. And you're going to be passionate about your team, cheering on your team, right? Some of you are so deep into this stuff, you're throwing out statistics about each team, right? You're even, you have your uniform, you're willing to lay down your life for your team. I know guys that have tattoos of their famous team on their body. I mean, that's full commitment to your team, right? I'm, there, there's passion that goes when you're cheering on your team, right? This is the time where you got to practice loving your enemies even when you're in the same room, right? When they're not wearing the same jersey that you're wearing, right? So love thy enemies. A lot of their moments of failure on their team they support. Listen, when you come to the gospel of John, right? And John is the author. He introduces it to a man named John the Baptist. We've been looking, we're going to look at him today, who is passionate about Jesus. He was willing to lay down his life for Jesus, right? He's here witnessing about Jesus. And he comes eating his, what, locusts and wild honey and his caveman suit in the wilderness and the desert, preaching about this Jesus, willing to lay his life down for team Jesus as he testifies about Jesus. Man, we, we have that same passion for Jesus like we have a passion for our football team. Sometimes we worship teams more than we worship Jesus. But here, John the Baptist is going to lay down his life here. And so as we enter into this theological manifesto about Jesus and the gospel of John, he begins to introduce us to John the Baptist and Jesus and why they came, the apostle who's writing this, why Jesus came in the, in the role of John the Baptist. Because we know John's mission, John the Baptist's mission was to bear witness about who Jesus is. And so as we dive deeper into this gospel, we're not going to just touch the surface. We're going to go a little deeper into deeper waters as we enter into this, this study right? Because I want you to be in some deep waters. 
We're going to do some scuba diving spiritually into the deep waters so you can grow to understand the teachings of Jesus because the real focus on this verse is, as we look at, is really the focus of John's testimony about who Jesus is. And our testimony is a powerful thing in our lives. We're going to be talking about that. So I want to read the passage this morning. John chapter 1, starting at verse 19 to 34. Here we go. It says, now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then he said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you, you say about yourself? He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered, saying, I baptize with water, but there's one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he whom I said, after he comes, a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but who sent me to baptize water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray this morning your hand upon our time. Father, as we dive into your word this morning, we pray that you would guide and lead us and instruct us as we just go deeper into your word. Father, if we want some gold, we got to go deep. And so, Father, we're going to dig deep to be able to find the treasures of heaven. And so, we, Father, we thank you. We praise you. Uh, we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We just look at two things this morning as we get into this passage. The first one is this, that John testifies about who he is. We see that in verses 19 to 28. We know that um, testimonies are important. We know they're important. In fact, the word test is found in the word testimony. So in order to have a testimony, there's been a test in your life. There's been challenges in your life. There's been difficulties like that you had to overcome. And I know a lot of your testimonies in this room. I've heard a lot of your testimonies about what God has done in your life, how he's been merciful, how he's been patient, how he's been faithful, how he's been loving, right? Some of you are broken in order to come to a place to come to know Christ, and then you bear testimony of that brokenness and how God broke you in order to rebuild you and to develop you, right? He's working through even our own brokenness in our lives. You know, I, I'm reminded of the glow stick, right? Remember when your kids want to go get those little glow sticks? And I remember that, you know, my kids were all really kind of like blown. What's this? And you give them the, the glow stick. And it has a, a, a color and it's like, oh, this is, I want a red one. I want a blue one. I want a green one. And they're looking at it. And then what happens is you break the broke glow stick and it lights up like, whoa, like this is crazy. Sometimes God's got to break us in order to make us glow and bear a good testimony for us. 
And so John is going to lay out some things in his own life as he says here, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you my narrative because we all have a story and we all have a narrative. And we got to learn to sit with each other and break bread and hear our stories of what God does because in the story giving, we get encouraged and we get built up and we get edified because the work of the church is to edify one another in the Lord. And so we find John's testimony here. But the first thing he testifies is that who he is not. He says, let me tell you who I'm not. We said in verses 19 and 22, now this is the testimony, look at that, of John. When he saw, when the Jews set priests and Levites from Jerusalem, he said, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. Then, then they said, who are you that we may give an answer to those who send us? What do you say about yourself? We want to know what's up. We want to know who you are, okay? And so we see that God's going to give a, a testimony. He's going to give a, a record of who he is before these priests and Levi's, right? He's testifying here. He's giving out infor, information, right? When, when people, people know you before you came to Christ, right? They, they know what you were like. They know how you live. They know how you talk. They know your dirt. They know all your mess. And then all of a sudden, God transforms you and changes you. And they're like, who are you? Right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, dude, you're different. Like, what happened? Right? They're coming to John and they're saying, who are you crazy looking dude in the wilderness? And everybody's coming out here right? His audience coming and asking this question. His audience here are the priests and the Levites. They were sent by these Jews. Who were these Jews? These Jews were the Sanhedrin from Jerusalem who were like the religious council. They were the, the Pharisees. They're the ones that dictated the law and followed the law and the traditions. They sent these, these priests and Levites to go say, look it, go ask some questions to this guy. Ask him what's going on and, and who are you? Because guess what? John had been in the, in the wilderness by the, the Jordan, baptizing people, and people were coming. Crowds were coming. He was causing this great commotion, and people were coming out seeing who he was because he, he was out there preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is on hand, and he's dunking people left and right, and Jerusalem is hearing about this crazy dude in the desert that all of a sudden the crowds are following him, and they're leaving Jerusalem to come to this desert to hear about this man and, and who he was. Man, I hope people hear about Jesus through New Vision because we're just crazy what we do. Crazy believers just loving God and telling people about Jesus and people are just flocking and saying, who is this Jesus? Who is this? You know what I mean? And that's what's happening here. And they came from all the regions. Matthew talks about, Matthew 5, he talks about how because of the words, they all, everybody came from all the regions to check this John dude out. And priests and Levites came seeking answers. They're going to do some cross-examination of John here in a moment. You know, these priests and Levites, they kind of represent the, the word and theology. They kind of represent here a little bit of the traditions, the practice of Judaism. And they're coming out to say, we got to figure out who you are because the uppity ups, <laughs> the Sanhedrin is saying, go check them out and come back and give a report. We want him to know, right? But I love about, about something, the humility of John the Baptist he really never points to himself. He always points to Jesus. He never points to himself. He always points to Jesus. 
And that's why you see his confession so powerful here. May our testimonies of a story of our own lives always point to Jesus. He's the transformer. He's the one that changes, right? And so John's testimony is drawing people in. Is drawing in. They ask him, who are you? And then John makes this confession. He, he makes a saying, and I love this. John could have went a different direction with that answer. He could have said, I'm a Levite. I'm from a priestly home because remember, Zacharias was a priest serving in the temple, right? I was chosen by God. I was given a gift. I, this is what I was. Never do you hear him say that. Never do you see him puffing himself up. Never do you see him promoting himself. Never do you see him doing anything like that when they ask him the question of who you are. He goes, I'm a prophet. I prophesied in Isaiah, Malachi. He never did that. He never said any of things. His confession was a confession of his own humility when he says, what I am not the Christ, right? I am not the Christ. He was beginning to say, let's get the record straight. Let me tell you who I am not. Because the people, when they were hearing what he was doing, believed that some thought maybe he might be the Messiah. Some thought maybe he's like, whoa, this guy's doing all these things. Is he the one that was to come? Right? And he says, I am not the Christ. The word Christ in the Hebrew is the word means Messiah or anointed one. That's what that means. Right? That's what he's saying here. Right? Remember I said last week that in chapter one, we, we, we see all these titles for Christ. There were actually seven titles for Christ found in chapter one. This one here, Christ means the Messiah. That's one of the titles we're looking at verse 19. We know that he's the word in, in, verse, in verse one. We know he's the light in verse eight. We study this. We know he's the begotten son in verse 18. We're going to find today that he's the Lamb of God in verse 29. Later, we find he's the king of Israel in verse 49 and the son of man in verse 51. These are all his identity. Remember, the writings of John, the apostles, to reveal who Jesus is so that we might believe. And so right off the bat, he's given the identity of who Christ is. And John is saying, I'm not him. I'm not him. I'm not the Messiah. In his own humility, his own confession. I think we say the same thing because a lot of us, you say, well, Pastor Peter, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Christ. No, but we can live like God. We can act like God. We can think we are God by the way we live and the choices we make. That I'm in control of my own destiny. You know what the, John was saying is, I am not the Messiah. I am not God. I'm in need of God. <laughs> That's what he's really saying. I'm in need of God. We're all in need of God in these things. And so now they begin to ask these questions of who are you? in more details, with specific things. They're being more candid, right? Being more specific questions. Are you Elijah? No, he said. They're referencing Elijah of the Old Testament, the, the prophet of the Old Testament, right? But John came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. We know that Jesus referenced him as Elijah, Right? But look at John. He said, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. Let me, let me tell you something. God sees us differently than we see ourselves. Amen. Because you're going to talk about, you ask him two questions. Are you Elijah? Right? Are you a prophet? These are two questions he's going to ask. And both questions he responds with no. 
But scriptures are pointing to him that he is this prophet, that he is uh, 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 Elijah in the Old Testament. Who was Elijah? Elijah was this prophet in the Old Testament who was taken up by God and he never saw death. Read the Old Testament. In the chariots of fire, right? And now he's coming in the spirit of Elijah. He might not be Elijah physically, but he's coming in the spirit of Elijah and the testimony of Elijah and the example of his power. This is the same Elijah that we some believe are the two, he's one of the prophets of the two witnesses in the book of Revelation. This is the Elijah that they're referring to. They thought he might be like Elijah because they were thinking back to the prophecy out of Malachi 3.1 and Malachi 4.5. He said, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare a way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So they were expecting a prophet to come. The religious group, the Levites, the priests, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, they were all expecting this Messiah to come. And so they're looking at John as, is he the one? And he's saying, no. Interesting, the Jews were expecting the Messiah to come, but they didn't believe that Jesus was that Messiah that came. Then they said, are you a prophet? No. Yet he was the last prophet of the Old Testament. This prophet spoke crazy words, yet he never did a miracle. He was only a proclaimer. In fact, Jesus referred to him as the greatest prophet of all time. Jesus referred to him as the burning and shining light. He's, this prophet, man, he was straight to the point. He spoke to the religious leaders. They called him a brood of vipers in Luke chapter 3. He, he confronted them on, on, the, on, the, on the, 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 the centurions when they would make people walk. Hey, be comfortable with the wage. Don't take more of your wages. Care for the people. Give of your tunic. He was like confronting the, the religious leaders about their hypocrisy. He didn't hold back words, this prophet. Again, these religious leaders were thinking back to the Old Testament of Deuteronomy 18, 15. It says, the Lord your God will raise for up your prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. They were looking for some answers, these religious leaders. Right? They're looking for, in verse 22, it says, What? Who are you that we may give an answer? Who are you? Maybe our lives can really spur up those questions in people. Who is this Jesus? Who are you? And why do you follow Jesus? He's a kind of exasperating the religious leaders here. We can't go back without an answer. So, what do you say about yourself? And Jesus opens up about who Jesus, John opens up about who Jesus is, right? And so we see in verse 23 to 28, he begins to testify about who he is. He says, I am not, but let me tell you who I am. John knew his identity in Christ. Let me tell you who I am. Let me tell you my purpose and my mission and why I was sent. Guys, we need to know our identity in God. We need to know our identity in Christ. Because that's powerful when we know that. And John said, let me tell you who I am. He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were 
from the Pharisees, and they asked, saying, why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but the one stands one among whom you do not know. He is who coming after me prefer before me, whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to loosen. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. First of all, John says, I'm a voice. I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. I'm a voice for Jesus. He was one to usher in the Messiah. He was the one to make a way for God. Quoting Isaiah 40, verse 3. John knew the scriptures. He knew the Old Testament scriptures. I'm making a way. He says, I'm one crying in the wilderness, he says. Right? Making straight the way of the Lord. And back in that day and age, when a king would come into a town, they would send their servants out to make a way for the king to come. And they would oftentimes do this urban renewal and rehabbing and painting and cleaning and cleaning up the streets because the king was coming and they wanted to make it look like John the Baptist was came to make a way for Jesus because the king was coming. He was making, he's making a way for people to get right with God because the king was coming. He was the voice of clarity in a confused world. Don't we need a voice of clarity today? And so he's testifying that he was this voice. How have you made a way for the Lord for others? How have you made a way for that? Proverbs 8.1 says, does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? And he begins to address the priests and Levites. You don't even know the one who I'm talking about. <laughs> you don't even know the one who I'm, I'm speaking about. John is preparing the people for the Messiah, for Christ's coming, and he's doing it by baptizing people in the Jordan. He's talking about repent, turn from your ways, be baptized. But he was baptizing to make it away because in that culture, baptism was a, a form of purity, of sanctification. When, when many Gentiles, non-Jews, wanted to become Jews, they would take them and baptize them into the water, and then that would be a sign of purity for them to become a Jew. That was the practice in that culture. But Jews were being baptized, not just Gentiles. So that was bringing a lot of confusion. Like, whoa, Jews are like what you're... Yeah, because they're, they're getting ready for the Messiah. In that a practice of baptism. John is introducing Christ, the first coming of Christ. That's what he's speaking about. But there is going to be a second coming of Christ that we need to preach about, that we need to make a way about, because God is coming back again. And the one I speak about, he's saying, let me testify, the one I speak about is greater than me. Is, he's, he's greater than me. In fact, he's so great, I'm not even worthy to even touch his sandals, tie his zapatos, lace up his Nikes, I, I'm not even worthy of it because that was a sign of a slave. When you came into somebody's house, the slave or the servant would come and wash the feet of the people and clean their sandals. That was a, a job of a slave. And John is saying, I'm not even worthy to have a job of a slave before this king. He's better than me. He's greater than me. He's the most famous one. He's the one that I proclaim you just see the humility of john the baptist 
But I love this about he's he's proclaiming the coming of the Messiah at a place called Bethabara. That that word means a house of passage or a house of the fords. They believe this was the place where Joshua crossed the people from the Jordan into the promised land, that this was the place out of the book of Joshua. They came into the, the promised land. In fact, Bethabara was located in a rocky, rough region along the Jordan. Hmm. And John is preaching about the Messiah under rough conditions, maybe even rocky soils of the heart. But John will make a way for the people to have access to the eternal promised land. But more than that, think about John, this roughneck, tough dude in the wilderness, like preaching about Jesus. Because let me tell you something, guys. This is how God works. You don't have to be perfect to preach. He takes the roughness of our lives, the brokenness of our lives, the rockiness of our lives, and I'll use you in your mess to preach about who I am. I'll use you in your difficulties, in your depression, in your anxiety, in your pain, in your all that. He goes, you don't have to have all your ducks in a row to talk about Jesus. Because there's some rough grounds. You just got to give your testimony. You just got to tell your story. That's all you got to do. What's the, you know, you're in, you're, you're in Beth the bar right now. The difficulties of our pain, playing, and you know what? I, I ain't got it all perfect, God. I'm just a beggar found the bread, found bread, trying to show other beggars where to find some bread. The simpleness of the gospel. Keep it simple and loving. Greg talked about loving. You're loving sharing the book. Hey, you don't have to say like, you know, like, oh yeah, you, you know, you don't, you, people think we have to be all together. Nah. The disciples weren't all together. They fought amongst each other, right? They lied to each other. They, they're angry at each other, you know? And then we could even, how powerful would it be when we share and we even confess our own mess? Hey, man, I ain't got it all together. I'm trying to figure this out just like you. How much more powerful is that than thinking that we're self-righteous and thinking we have it all together? Because we really don't. And that is how the gospel works. He didn't see, he said, I, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. Because the healthy don't need a doctor, but a sick does. We're some sick puppies, brothers and, <laughs> brothers and sisters. We're some mifid, sick puppies that just been touched by Jesus. Right? That's the work and power of God. That's why there's such powerful testimonies in this room of what God is doing here. And so, John is testifying who he is not and they testify who he is. But then John, here's the second thing, testifies about who Jesus is. He's going to switch. And I was like, but I want to tell you about who Jesus is. You, you kind of little know a little bit about who I am, but let me tell you about who Jesus is, right? That's, that's what he's doing here. Verses 29 to 34. See, you understand that God not only gives, but he takes away. I want you to say that God not only gives, but he takes away. Now, let me explain what that means. Every day, I know, every day you, 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 ha- you go to your trash can your house, you take trash, and then you put it in the dumpster. And you lift up the dumpster. At my house, I have a dumpster, I have a lid. You throw your trash in, you close it in, and you're filling up this dumpster. And then at the end of the week, you take your dumpster out. Right? You cover up your mess, you take it out, and then the trash man comes, and he picks it up, 
and he hauls it away. And your trash is taken away, right? In the Old Testament, there was a, there was a day called the atonement or the day of atonement, which translates cover up. And every year there was a sacrifice of a land to cover up the sins of the people. But in the New Testament, the concept of atoning sacrifice means to put it away. The point I'm making is that there was a cover up for our sins, but when Jesus died, he hauled our sins away. He hauled our, our trash away. He took it away. So sometimes God gives and also God takes away. He hauls it all away, that trash in our life, and he doesn't cover it up. It's not swept under the carpet. He, he deals with it. He covers it. He paid for it, and then he hauls it away. It's gone, and your sin is cast as from the east as it is to the west. That's what God does with our mess. He casts it away. The government and the law might have a rap sheet on you. I know a lot of you got rap sheets because I know you're telling the stories. But God cleans the rap sheet. He wipes it clean because he has no record of wrong. He says love keeps no record of wrong, the scripture says. That's the love of God. That's the cross. That's the forgiveness of God. That's the mercy of God. That's the grace of God. That's the testimony of God that we need to understand that. That's our new identity. The old is gone. The new has come. That's our identity. Some of you are holding on to that old garbage. You're like, okay, I'm going to throw this away, but I'm going to keep this one. Get rid of the garbage. Cast it away. God wants to take it away. And then it says this, John reveals who Jesus, Jesus is. Let me tell you who Jesus is. Is the Lamb of God. 29 to 31. The next day, so the next day after he had an encounter with the, the priests and the Levites, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he who, whom I said after me comes a man who preferred me before me. He was before me. And I did not know him, but that we should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. It's a new day. It's the next day. I want you to see that in the text here because the work of God is never done. There's always a new day and there's always a new opportunity. New days come every morning. You woke up this morning and this was a new day. May have been a bad day yesterday. After 3.30, it might be another bad day for some of you guys. But there's a new day tomorrow. You mourn, there's grieving in the evening and rejoicing in the morning. All right? And so we see Jesus coming and walking on the seashore. Jesus coming from, you heard about John. He was coming from Jerusalem to Jericho, heading down to the Jordan. He's coming and he sees John and John sees him walking on the beach. He's just strolling along the seacoast there, having his walk, right? And the thing about one who testifies, that he is a bridge. He is a bridge between, between man and God in the sense of God using him as a tool. But John here was a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He was that bridge. In fact, in the Old Testament, they were looking for the lamb. In the New Testament, they beheld the lamb. And in the future, they will worship the lamb in the book of Revelation. And so Jesus is walking and he's like, behold, look, behold, look, look, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's his confession. He's confessing who Jesus is, the identity of Jesus, the Lamb, the, the sacrificial Lamb, connecting this Lamb was how was going to be sacrificed, connect man back to the Father, this Lamb. 
Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The first ministry that really Jesus is doing and John is doing is really to the Israelites, to the Jewish people. To the Jewish people. This is your Messiah. This is the one that's going to die for you. Okay? He will be the Passover lamb. In Genesis chapter 2, we know the story of Abraham who was a sacrifice his son Isaac. And in the story, they go up to Mount Moriah, which is the same place called the skull, Golgotha, where Jesus would be crucified. He's up on a mountain. He goes up with his son. Would I have fire? I see, Dad. This is Isaac Teki. Where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? they leaving the servants, and they told the servants, we'll be back in a moment. They go up faith. You see it. I think Abraham believed that if he was a sacrifice his son, that God would resurrect him. We see that in the book of Hebrews. They go up to the mountain, build an altar. He ties Isaac down, takes a knife, ready to stab. Whoa, whoa, Abraham, stop. And there was an offering provided in the thicket. We see the story. The lamb is the one that God provided in the thicket, right? Exodus 12, we know it's the story of the Passover, the deliverance of God's people from Egypt, and there was a Passover lamb. God commanded, sacrifice this Passover lamb, and you put it on the blood on your doorpost. Why? And when the angel of death comes, he will pass over your house, and you will not, you, you escape death. Picture of Jesus being the Passover lamb. By faith, the blood will cover us, and the Death will overpass us. Not, we may not escape physical death, but we'll escape spiritual death. It will pass over. Romans chapter 3, verse 25. He is our propitiation. And he, he'll pass over our sin. He'll, he'll go over it. And now John is saying, let me tell you, he's speaking the language of the Jewish people is what he's doing. Behold the, the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb who will save the people of their sin. He's speaking the language of those that were listening to Jewish people, they were, oh, we would have understood what you're saying. Guys, how do we communicate the gospel in a way that people can understand? Come on, come on. Right? The, you know, there was a, this missionary went to a foreign land to preach, and they didn't know language. They couldn't, they couldn't understand how Jesus could become flesh. And so he talked about how, how he saw this ant hole in the, in the, in the, in the jungle. He seen an ant hole and he saw all these ants. He goes, this is what God did. And he wanted to tell that there was a God that could save the ants. And so Jesus became an ant to tell the ants that there's a savior that could save the ants. That's how he explained it. God became flesh. We saw that, right? 114 of John. He became flesh so we could see him to tell us how we could get to have a relationship with him and that we could be saved. He, he was speaking the language. Guys, speak the language to the people that's simple when you share your faith so they could understand it. He would be a lamb without spot, unblemished, and he came and died once and for all because 1 Peter 1, 18, 19 says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ as the lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus was perfect without sin. That's why he can be the sacrificial lamb. But John had to own his own faith. I find it very interesting, verse 30 and 31, he says, but I didn't know him. Talk about John. The like, I didn't know who he was. 
Until I saw his baptism, I really didn't know who he was. He was the pre-existing God. He said that earlier in the chapter, right? He, he was before God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was the pre-existing God. He came to know who Jesus was later, that he was the pre-existing God. He was related to Jesus because he was Jesus' cousin, because Mary Elizabeth and Zechariah were the fathers of John the Baptist and related to Mary. And, and so they were cousins. Can you imagine hanging out? I, I have I have cousins. I grew up with cousins growing up and, and you're hanging out all through your young years growing up and you think about, oh, my cousin is the Messiah, but you don't really know that growing up. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, what? You know, you guys were out there morrison around and then I'm like, I'm hanging out with God, but I didn't know I was hanging with God my whole growing up, right? In fact, Luke describes Jesus as a young man, strong in spirit. He took a, when he was born, they gave him a Nazarite vow. He was strong in spirit growing up. Later on, you're going to read that, um, you know, though he did not know him, he comes to faith, right? He didn't really know him until he baptized Jesus. Now, we're in the story here, the baptism of Jesus has already happened because he's, he's referencing the baptism of Jesus, okay? About six months earlier, he's already baptized Jesus. And he said, when I baptized him and I saw the dove come down and I, saw, I heard a voice, this is my son who I please, I, the heavens, the, the dove came down. I think he was like, oh my goodness. This is, that's where he says at the end, this is the son of God. He came to revelation at that moment. This is, this is John's journey here. But you know what? John's journey was not always perfect. You know, he preached the gospel. You remember he was thrown in jail by Herod. He was thrown in jail for preaching. And he's like, I'm, 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 I'm gaffled up for my faith. And then he says, call the disciples, some of the leaders here. Is Jesus the real dude? Because I'm, I'm about to die. You know, like, I'm about, I'm about, like, is he legit? Like, this is what I'm like. So he had his, even his moments of doubt in that moments when he was in prison. He was like, Dude, I'm going down. He better be the one. You know what I mean? De dead raised, blind see. They give testimony about who Jesus is. Yeah, he's the one. He's the one. Guys, you're going to have your moments of doubt too. You're going to have your moments. How many of you have seen the miracles God in your life and you get a situation where you doubt him? Amen. I'm not, I'm not exempt. I'm like, God, what am I doing? I've seen you do miracles in my life and I still doubt what you can do. Come on, come on. Even John the Baptist had those moments of, of lapses, right? Listen, a lot of our toast testimonies focus on self, but they need to focus on Jesus. We focus on the bad things and, and we don't focus on Jesus. But John turns his focus on the ministry of Jesus. He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then his conclusion was that he's the Son of God. He is the Son of God. Look at 32 to 30. And John bore witness saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remained upon him. I did not know him, but who sent me to baptize the water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Again, John reflecting on Jesus' baptism and in his encounter in the water and all that had happened, and he witnessed the Spirit falling upon Jesus and hearing God's verse. But here's the key. But the one that I baptized, the one that I, I don't know where he's on the side, 
He's the baptizer of the Spirit. Guys, listen, we have baptisms here. Many of you have been baptized here. And me or the pastors or the leaders take you in the water and we baptize you by faith. And you come out. But I tell you, the greatest baptism is the baptism of the Spirit where God baptizes you and fills you with the Spirit. Because that is the power by which we operate. I'm not baptizing you to remove dirt. It's not a bath. Right? It's a newness of life. But the Spirit, he says, God, Jesus is the baptizer, the one who fills you up with the third person of the Trinity, the this, this Spirit that lives in us. That's the power we need in our lives to bring about transformation. That's the power, how we can do. When he says, obey these commands and they're not burdensome, what he's saying is, you have the power to obey me because I've given you the power. I've given you everything you need for godliness, the scripture says. I give you everything you need. You just got to begin to trust me in it. I fully, fully furnished your house spiritually. I've given you everything you need. You're without excuse when you come by faith and God's given you his spirit. You remember Peter, like, he wasn't filled with the Spirit. And when it came time to testify and have boldness for Jesus, he denied Jesus three times. Come on, come on. By a fire, by a little servant girl. I know you. Oh, I don't know him. <laughs> Freaked out by this little servant girl by the flames. Three times denied him. Jesus resurrects. Tells him to go wait in an upper room because I got to go that another would come. The gift of the Spirit. And they're in a prayer meeting. And the tongues of fire come down and fills Peter up. And with says with boldness, he preached the gospel and 3,000 came to know the Lord. And he talked about, God talked about his future, his identity. You want to go one way, Peter, but where I'm taking you is <laughs> going to be crazy. And we know that Peter in his boldness and his humility after God filled him up, he would be crucified upside down on a cross, he says, I'm not even worthy to die the way Jesus died. But he's willing to lay down his life because the Spirit gave him the power to lay down his life. He couldn't do it on his own power. He couldn't do these things. on the Guys, you need, you need God's power and Spirit to do those things. The transformation comes by the Spirit. Not trying to go to self-help books or self-help me this and self-help me that. Jesus said, deny yourself and take up the cross and follow me. Be careful what you're getting filled with and what you're reading. Jesus, the power that changes you. Preaching change, Think about that for a moment. Say law in that moment. That Jesus is the one that we have power in. Holy Spirit power. But you have to ask for it. Luke says, what, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. That's what we do on Christmas, right? How much more will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Amen. The power. The power. This experience He saw, transformation at the baptism of Jesus. He's confessing what? He is the Son of God. Let me tell you what I think about Jesus and who He is. He is the Son of God. And Jesus' baptism cleared up all the confusion for John. And He solidified His faith because of that moment. I'm going to leave you with these three thoughts as we close. I'm going to partake as the worship team comes this morning. Each of you, me, you, have a testimony to share. We have a testimony. We have a story. Share your story. But our stories, number two, need to point to Jesus. 
Our stories need to point back to Jesus, back to the cross, back to who God is. That's what John did. And lastly, our testimony will be used by God to bring others to faith. To bring others to faith. We're commanded to do that. John testified and we testify of who God is in our lives. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace, Lord. We thank you, you're a God that hears and listens. Father, you left the heavens to come to earth. Lord, and John testifies about who you are and who he is not. Father, we're in need of you. That's why you came. And Father, then we share God with others so they can hear about your goodness. That's the role of the church, to proclaim your gospel, to proclaim your goodness, to proclaim your love as we live out love and caring for one another. But I pray now, Lord, for each of us in this room, we need your power. We need your spirit. We need your strength, Lord. So fill us up with your spirit, Lord. Give her that supernatural power because at faith we become superheroes because you live in us. And so I pray this morning just a, a, a pouring of your spirit as they leave here. They're going to experience the pouring of your spirit in them, Lord, that you're stirring them and then you're strengthening them. You're building their faith in them, Lord. You're building up their walk. You're, you're renewing them day by day by your spirit. That in that moments of weakness, in that moments of temptation, in that moments of struggle and pain, Lord, they call on your name. You're going to strengthen them because you live in them. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So Lord, I pray now your baptism, I pray now your feeling, your refreshing of your spirit on your people today for your church. That's how you revive us. You revive us by your spirit. You make us alive by your word and the fellowship and community and strengthening. I pray now for your people, Lord, that Lord, man, they're going to be zealous for you when they go out these doors because you just strengthened them. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you, Jesus. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.